Hello, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in Frank, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, October 6, 2020, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book of the Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 1, Bill's Story, on page 9. We will be reading and commenting on the seventh paragraph at the very bottom of the page, which begins with, he had come, and ends on the top of page 10 with, I was hopeless. Today's readers are Yvette L., Lauren N., Lisa H., Ginger C., and Katie G., The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, October 5th, 2020, are 15,483 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 15,483. And 15,484 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 15,484. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Yvette L. to read the OA 12 Steps. Uh, Good morning. Um, This is Yvette. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New Britain, Connecticut. Uh, The 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible 
except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Yvette L. from Connecticut. I will now ask Lauren N. to read the OA 12 tradition. This is Lauren N., Compulsive Overeater Sugar Addict from New York. 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the OA requirement for, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA ought group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren N. from New York. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. 
to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book and we are in chapter one, Bill's story on page nine. We will be reading and commenting on the seventh paragraph at the bottom of the page, which begins with he had come and ends on the top of page 10 with I was hopeless. I will now ask Lisa H. to go ahead and read that for us. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, Lisa H. here recovered, um, gratefully recovered in Tennessee. He had come to pass his experience along to me if I cared to have it. I was shocked but interested. Certainly I was interested. I had to be for I was hopeless. Um, wow, this is a, a short but powerful paragraph. Um, and I want to um, I want to identify in um, and, and this, you know, I think that all of us have, um, have an ebby if we think back about when we got started. And in my experience, um, when I um, realized that I was a compulsive overeater, um, realized I had to go back to OA, I'd only been to one, one meeting, um, and I went back to, to a local OA meeting. And uh, you know, across the room from me sat a woman who um, said that she had not had sugar in five years and she was in a normal body. And, and I was shocked, right? I was shocked, but I was interested. I thought, I truly actually thought that's impossible, right? Um, I've tried everything. Um, and I was certainly interested um, because I was hopeless. I was um, in such despair. Um, I thought, you know, really, I thought um, that this mental obsession um, was going to kill me. I didn't know, I didn't know where else to turn. Um, you know, maybe this was the beginning, right? I was hopeless. I was um, in despair. Um, this was the last, this was the last stop, as they say. Um, but I walked away from, from that meeting and knew I had, to, I had to find out more. Um, it was, um, it, I often say, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And that was my first introduction to um, that there was a solution, that it was possible um, to get out of the food, for me to get out of the sugar um, and, and live a productive life. You know, the book says, you know, in, in, in every other aspect of our lives, we're fairly normal people. But when it came to the food, um, I was not normal and I wasn't going to be normal. Um, so when I left there, um, I started, uh, I needed more. There weren't very many meetings in my area. And so I started looking for more and I found this big book meeting. And when I started to listen and they talked about this double whammy, this allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, it was, it was like you all were speaking my language. Um, and, and when, um, when I started to follow directions and put the sugar down, put the, um, put those alcoholic substances down um, this clarity of thought um, began to occur. And, and then, of course, I had to find, uh, find someone in whom the problem had been solved um, so that I could get through these steps. 
Um, so, so I can so identify in with when this woman said she had been out of the sugar for five years. Um, I was shocked. I was interested and I was really desperate for more. Um, I, I was willing, I was willing just to take direction, um, to try something new, to set aside everything. I think I, I think I knew, um, to try something new, to really, um, find a power greater than myself and finding out that that power is deep down within me was also profound. Um, but I went from, I, you know, I went from hopelessness um, to happiness and uh, that's the power of this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lisa H. Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So give me a chance to just get these words out because it's a little wordy here. If you would like to share on the seventh paragraph on the bottom of page nine to the top of page 10 in the big book, he had come through I was hopeless, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Thank you. Terry K from Boston. Linda Diggs. Oh, wait a minute. So hold on a second. Who was after Katie D? Christina J. Okay, wait one second. I've got Christina J. And who was after Christina J? Who spoke up? Linda D. Linda D. Thank you. And who else is trying to get in there? I know, but before Barbara. Who K? Terry K. Is it Terry, T-E-R-R-I? Correct. Okay. Okay. And then who did I hear? Was it Teresa? Yes, Teresa P. P. Okay. And before Barbara, was there another voice? Amy G. Say it again. Oh, Amy G? Okay, Amy, I think you're cutting in and out. And so was there anyone else before Barbara? that I didn't get. I have Katie G, Christina J, Linda D, Terry K, Teresa P, and Amy G. All right. I'm, now I'm going to... Oh, go ahead. Who was it? I'm I'm Barbara in Florida. I'm a recovering food addict. I have a question, and I'm sorry to enter at this time, but I don't really know what to do. I've been trying to get on the recorded line for two days. It's not working, and it Barbara. Just, it's you just Barbara. don't... There's not a new number or anything. No, no, there's just a glitch. Just be patient till it gets fixed. Okay, and you didn't want to share, Barbara? I'm guessing not. Okay, so I'm going to put Barbara E. next. So this is who I have. Katie G., Christina J., Linda D., Terry K., Teresa P., Amy G., and Barbara E. Katie G., go right ahead. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive eater in Boston. And, you know, a couple things. I love this. I love that he's passing on his experience, right? Like he's not passing on a dialogue that is telling him exactly what to do, the directions. This is what you have to do. He's sharing his experience. And what works so well for me is that not everybody on this line has the same iterations of my disease. And so when I come across that, I, I just let people know, well, this is my experience. This is my experience, and as one of my mentors says, this is my experience and my observation, right? And so when a woman in whom the problem had been solved told me, like, I was desperate, dying, and doomed with 
exercise bulimia, you know, she shared her experience of what works for her, but it doesn't, there's no dictates, right? There's no ranting. Um, and then I also love that it talks about hopeless, right? So a lot of times in OA, it's very easy to talk about the hopelessness that comes with the symptoms of this disease, right? So I've been 228 pounds and 110 pounds. There are a lot of physical consequences that come when you're like a yo-yo on a, on a scale. Like there's a lot that I could talk about that left me hopeless. But I, I think the thing that, that left me the most hopeless was that I kept going back to the food in a state of entire abstinence, knowing there was a solution in Overeaters Anonymous, and I kept going back over and over and over again. And for me, these 12 steps, they're not a war. They're not a battle. Step one, I put up my white flag, and I say, God, I'm done. Help me, sponsor. Tell me what to do. Let me unlearn everything I've learned because my hopelessness was, listen, Katie, your brilliant brain, as smart as it is, and I'm joking, can't figure this out. You can't figure out why boxes and bottles and throwing up and exercise and the scale are your God. You can't figure it out. You're done. Right. And so, so for me, hopeless was being done. For me, was this hopeless was, you know, the blackness, the darkness of step one, which also has a wonderful state of hope, right? Because it's darkest before the dawn and there is hope, there is recovery. But the hopelessness for me was I couldn't do it. That the problem was all my ideas no longer worked. And so I was desperate to hear someone else's experience. Please help me. Tell me what to do. Because my life, although, you know, I thank God I somehow graduated from college, I was not suitable for human consumption. I had more resentments on my first fourth step of people in program. I couldn't be around people, not even if they were in a 12-step room. So I'm just so grateful that I hit that emotional bottom, that it was so black inside my soul that I had nothing to do but say, help me, tell me what to do. And please, God, for today, let me continue with that desperation because I still don't know, and I need a lot of help. And I'm just grateful to be here today to have hope and to trudge right along with all of you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. from Boston, Mass. Christina J. Good morning. Thank you for your experience and strength and hope this morning on the line so far. Thank you for your service. Um, Christina J. from the state of Washington. He had come to pass his experience along to me. In the first OA rooms I got into, a um, lot of experience with the um, disease. Heard a lot of experience with the disease. I didn't hear too much recovery, but man, did I fit in, and I settled into those chairs and... Um, just sort of lavished in the freedom I began to feel when I would share my story, all the binges, and I would come in after a relapse, and I would go out uh, after the meeting into a relapse. And, you know, just uh, just completely deer in the headlights as far as um, how to get this thing. And I thought I began to get it, and I would practice, you know, sort of a white-knuckled abstinence as I started to go through the, um, the steps in OA and... Um, you know, still eating while I was doing it and being told that by the time I got to the fourth step, if I just kept working it, that I would be able to put the food down, writing paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of my um, insanity and my resentments and all the questions. And it just, I just couldn't get it. So off I went on to, you know, other OA rooms. And um, by the time I got to vision, I thought I was hopeless. Um, I kept trying, but 
when I heard the the you know the people on the line uh shocked uh and certainly interested, oh my God, are you kidding me? There's recovery here uh but it took me uh from February of two thousand fourteen on my first vision meeting until just recently um to realize what my true hopelessness was um I thought I still had other plans. I didn't know I thought I still had other plans, but that first bite was always there waiting for me. That first bite that was going to give me the freedom until tomorrow when I could start again, uh, because, you know, when you're in relapse, uh, at least for me, uh, relapse didn't take me out for 10 years. It would take me out for a few days, a couple weeks, um, and then I'd be back on the train saying I was going to do it, and then a couple weeks later. So I, you know, I thought that I could always get back, and that first bite was always an option. B.S., B.S., the disease still had me tight in its grip, um, and I had to learn that I had to walk away from the donuts uh, after and cry because I, I knew that I could not have them. But you know what I did, and I've shared this before, I did what I was told to do. I did the tools and the steps in this program. I reached out to a fellow for help. What a miracle. Just a short conversation, and the donuts became neutral. And that was the beginning of this particular um, journey in abstinence, true neutrality. Uh, I finally realized what it was to be hopeless, which is I have no control or power over that food, as Katie was sharing. I have none. None. It's got me. It'll always have me. If I flirt with it, it's really going to start to dig its claws in it. We can't flirt. I mean, let me speak for myself. I can't flirt with any of my addictive substances because I'm hopeless around this disease, completely hopeless. It's taken me down one too many times. Thank you for giving me that time, and uh, I appreciate you guys, and I'm so grateful for this program. I'll pass. Thank you, Christina J. from Washington State. Linda D. Good morning, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut, recovered, gratefully recovered in Connecticut. I've been listening, and um, what wonderful uh, shares. I've had a lot of ebbies along the way. I've been in OA since 1982, the fall of 1982. And um, every one of them helped. And I was hopeless each time. I thought I was hopeless. My life was um, shattered. And I did what was suggested. And I didn't know that giving lip service to the part about a higher power would take me to the very bottom. I gave it my best shot. I think everybody does. What I don't know will kill me. Eventually, I mean, I would I would get a year or I'd get two years of abstinence, and I looked great, and I certainly felt better, and things went better in my life. But what it took, hopeless had to be empty, totally empty and alone, nothing inside. That's what it took. And so I'm recovered now, and it is the grace of God, a word I did not want to hear because I tried it in every form I could find, every religion, and I couldn't find it. The block was within me. 
the chapter to the agnostic that we'll read much later saved my life. And visions saved my life. Uh, it is only a um, healthy OA meeting. But the information and the experience here of folks who are recovered saved my life. I do what they told me to do. I've connected with my higher power, who is God. And that's some, some amazing thing because I was an atheist. I didn't want to be, but I was. So if I can find a higher power, that's very real and that's within me and guides me through the incredible poo-poo that is American life right now. I'm thrilled. I'm so grateful to be here and grateful to all of you for my recovery. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Linda G. from Connecticut. Terry K. Thank you for your service. This is Terry Kay from Missouri. Um, I am identifying in with, um, I was shocked, but I was interested. Um, when I first encountered my Ebby, she had um, a glow about her. I was shocked that she had this food problem because she didn't appear to have this food problem. Um, and I was shocked that she found a solution without looking angry, without feeling deprived. She wasn't on a diet. She wasn't having a white-knuckled abstinence. She truly had neutrality around the food. And I had always been a yo-yo dieter, and I was either on the upward gain or the downward loss, depending if I was on or not on a diet. And at the time I, I met my Abby, I was on an upward swing, um, eating whatever I wanted and anything I could find. And she wasn't trying to convince me. Uh, it was definitely attraction and not promotion. I'd been, um, I, I, when I started working with her, I asked her if I joined OA, would she sponsor me? And I went to a meeting the very next day and called her and said, I went to a meeting, what do I do? said, well, you need to get a list of your alcoholic foods together. Um, you know, I didn't really know. I wasn't convinced that I was a compulsive overeater. I just knew that I wanted what she had. I wanted to not have to constantly think about food and constantly try to control and manage my food and never know if my clothes were going to fit, never know how I was going to feel, um, what I was going to eat next, depending on how I felt and what I could access. And that, that, clarity of mind and that neutrality. I just really wanted that. And it wasn't until I was working with her and it came to my attention that that there were so many things in life I had accomplished that if I had the power to accomplish this food problems uh, solution, that I would have done it already. And so really that first step of powerlessness was such a relief and a relief that I had a problem I couldn't control, and I just did what I was told. And I think that willingness, that ability to follow instructions um, was the beginning of what I now experience, which is that neutrality and recovery and being recovered. So um grateful to be here. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Terry Kay from Missouri. Teresa P., while you're unmuting, I'm just going to let people who got on late know what was read this morning. 
it was the bottom of page nine to the top of page 10, that one paragraph that starts with he had come in the big book. Teresa P., go right ahead. Hi, I'm Teresa P. I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, this is uh, another one of those great paragraphs that I just love. And uh, because I was hopeless. And I knew I was hopeless. And I had been hopeless for years and angry at God for years because he didn't fix it. I mean, I prayed. I was on my knees praying. I was going to church praying. And he still didn't fix it. So I couldn't even trust God. It's just I was just totally desperate um, going through life dying because I was in constant pain, hardly functioning, in danger of losing my job, and and uh, just total, total insanity and miserable. Just, you know, you get so tired day after day, year after year with the pain in that. You just, I got so wore down. It's just like a dish rag, just wrung and wrung and wrung. And it's just like, oh, man. And I just wanted to be dead. And, uh, but I did get to, pro- I actually had a breakdown. One of many, but I had a breakdown, got into another program. But I, I never heard about uh, not, uh, about Overeaters Anonymous. And then one day in another program, a person said, oh, they were going to Overeaters Anonymous. And I thought, what? Yeah, I want to try that. And uh, and so, you know, and I, I I got here and... I was like, I was like so surprised. And I, I knew what to do. Well, I, what I knew to do was get a sponsor. So I got a sponsor, and uh, and she told she said she did no no chocolate, no sugar, and three meals a day. And I thought, wow, you know, I was the happy sad. I was happy that I, you guys were going to let me eat three meals a day, yay, because I didn't do it that way. I did the starving and binging thing, and then. Um, that I would get to, but I knew I had to give up the sugar. I knew I had to get the sugar, but how do you do that? I've never been able to do that, but I was willing to try. And, and But then she wanted the hardest thing of all, a caller in the morning. It's like, oh, oh, but I was willing to do that. And that's what was so important is over 25 years ago. And, you know, and hey, I didn't do any of this perfectly. You know what? I kept coming back and I kept trying. I did lose that first almost 100 pounds. And I did was willing to put down the sugar and the chocolate and do three meals a day. And I did that for years with many sponsors. And I got a lot of recovery and a lot of freedom from the food obsession. But the, the, and, and my life turned around. It was great. But the real recovery I got was in vision. Uh, the real recovery of uncovering and discovering so much more about myself, deep layers. Uh, my, you know, selfishness, you know, dishonesty, self-seeking, and mm-hmm. fear. Is that, was that time? It was time, Teresa P. Okay, great. Well, hey, mm-hmm. God's timing is always perfect. So today I just get to work the 12 steps and work the program, and uh, life, is, life is real and good. Thank you for letting me share. Teresa, would you like to say where you're from? Oh, yes. I'm from California. Okay. Thanks so much. Sorry to cut you off. Amy G. Good 
Good morning. Uh, my name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Can you hear me better now? Yes, I hear you loud and clear now. Thanks, Amy G. Okay. Great. Thanks so much. And thank you, everyone, um, for such an awesome meeting. So here we are in Bill's kitchen and Evie's sitting across the table. And he said, you know, starry-eyed, he is saying, I have a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. And Bill's saying he was shocked. And I don't know about you all, but when I went to my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting and they start talking about the steps and, you know, making amends and, you know, doing an inventory, I too was shocked. Can you imagine? I mean, I thought I just needed to figure out a way to eat like a normal person and not purge. What in the hell does all of this have to do with not being able to stay on a diet? But the saying in the Overeaters Anonymous rooms is coming for the vanity and staying for the sanity. Um, And it talks about this too in the AA 12 and 12 and step one at the end of step one, it says here, it says here, under the lash of alcoholism, we are driven to AA. We discover the fatal nature of our situation. Then and only then do we become open-minded to conviction and as willing to listen as the dying can be. We stand ready to do anything which will lift the merciless obsession from us. I didn't understand the twofold nature of the disease. Yes, I knew I couldn't stop binging and purging, but what actually was this disease about? And then once I figured out what that disease was, I tried to figure it out, of course, on my own. Selfish and self-centered to the extreme, this addict wanted to try to do it on her own. And then realizing the true nature of my powerlessness because of that merciless mental obsession. I had warped my mind with such an obsession for weight, calorie, food, scales, and binging and purging that I couldn't see myself through clearly. I was hopeless. And to me, it's only when you're hopeless that this program works for us. This is an all-in program. I mean, I don't know about you all, but my experience was I couldn't just dip my toe in the water. If I believed this to be my last hope and I was dying desperate and doomed, the three Ds of this disease, then this was a program that offered me a method, a program of action that offered me a solution. And I could see it in all the Ebbies in front of me in whom the problem had been solved. They were not only abstinent, they were doing so happily. They had founded a method in which they could live life on life's terms without the food constantly calling them. And I wanted what you had. So I was willing to do that. When someone throws you a life vest, you don't throw it back when you're drowning because you don't like the color. You put it on and you start swimming. And I'll never forget my sponsor saying to me in early recovery, just saying, don't think, just do. Someone else alluded to that earlier in their shares. This is a program of action. It's not a program of thinking. I had to learn how to act my way into a new way of thinking and believing because I couldn't think that way myself. My thinking was always going to lead me back to the food and the idea that putting that binge food into my mouth, I'll wrap, was the best idea that I had all day. That's what true hopelessness was for me, understanding that I could not fix myself, but you had a solution, a common solution that was proven to work. And I was going to do what they told me to do. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. from Maryland, Barbara E., and then I'll take more names. Sorry, I got muted and unmuted. 
It, it always happens to me. I, I'm hoping I'm unmuted now. This is Barbara E. from New Jersey. The shares have been awesome. When I walked into OA 24 years ago, I was hopeless. I was broken. I was defeated. I was out of ideas. I tried almost every diet scheme, and some of them were quite good, but they didn't work for me. But just to give you one idea of how desperate I was, I went to a psychologist once who professed to have a proficiency in food disorders, and he had me eating gefilte fish three times a day as a way of losing my weight. And I was so hopeless, so broken, that I did it. I did it. How crazy, how insane. Personally, I hate gefilte fish, but I ate it because I didn't know what else to do. I was, I always used to kid and say, I wasn't overweight, I was just under tall. But that's just a joke. I wanted you to laugh with me rather than at me. I was five feet two and 237 pounds with washcloths around my legs. But it wasn't only that. I was, I was emotionally and spiritually damaged too. I was depressed. I had anxiety. I was irritable. I was constantly feeling overwhelmed and lonely and isolated. I needed something more. Uh, yes, I needed to lose weight, absolutely, but I'd done it before. Go fill the fish three times a day or Weight Watchers or whatever, but they didn't work for me. So I knew that when I walked into OA and I saw the people that seemed to be happy, seemed to understand, had the problems that I had, ate food that had fallen on the floor, ate food that was frozen, left their kids alone to go down to the store to buy foods, hidden foods, ate foods that I had bought for my family when they said, where are they? I'd say, I don't know. I was sick. And now I know that it's not only just about the food. It's about, for me, being comfortable with who I am, being adaptable and resilient, and to begin to have positive relationships with the people in my life, to have a sense of purpose, and to take care of my physical health. And that means staying abstinent, not kidding myself anymore, that I am not allergic to sugar, but yes, I do. I do. Oh, thank you. I do chew um, packets of Splenda and spit them out like gum. That's stinking thinking, Barbara. Throw it out the window. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. from New Jersey. Okay, I'm going to tell you what was read this morning, which was the last paragraph at the bottom of page nine to the top of page 10. Uh, It's the seventh paragraph and it began with he had come through I was hopeless. And if you haven't shared in the past three days, 
or the past two days, I guess, um, and would like to, I have room for probably four, maybe five people. Karen K. Melissa. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Did I hear Jerry K? Was that right? Karen K. Sharon K. Yep. Thank you. Okay. Does anyone know who came after? Ginger C. Sharon K. Roxanne. You guys, did all of you speak up at the same time, or some of you giving me your name after the fact? I believe it was Paul T. who came after Karen K. Thank you. And I remember hearing Joe on. Um, so I'm going to put Joe on down. And then who else tried to speak up right at the start with Sharon K? Melissa Ginger C. C. Melissa C. and Ginger C. if there's time. Okay. And that's all we have room for, I'm sorry to say. Sharon K., go right ahead. Good morning. I'm Karen Kay from Syracuse, New York, a recovered compulsive eater and my credit stone transfer. Um, I like to talk about hope today because um, a couple of years ago in the um, late summer, I got, um, no, late, late about June, I got so depressed, so depressed with myself and everything around me, alone, isolated, and abandoned. I even gave up my... Uh, Artist supplies, over $1,500 worth of supplies kicked to the curb. And then one day God struck me. And that's my Abby, God, and all you guys who share this journey with me. And um, and, uh, July 5th, 2019, I returned to OA and I had such great hope. And then I went through 136 treatments. That's really not all that important. But I didn't find it necessary to pick up because God was guiding me and just keeping me close to him. And, um, you know, there's nothing better than being free from Karen, free from my thoughts. And I need to surrender on a daily basis. Sometimes, excuse the expression, I'm batshit crazy. But, you know, at least I can own it and I can be gentle with myself. I have compassion for myself. And I try to do that with the ladies that call me, to be compassionate. The war is over. Them waving the white flag, you know, we're on a vision for you. We're getting healthy. We are getting healthy together. The war is over. We're in the solution. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Karen Kay. And I didn't catch where you're from. I didn't write it down. Uh, Syracuse, New York. Oh, New York. Okay. I thought maybe you said that. Okay. Um, Paul T., go right ahead. I am Paul T. from Texas, a recovered compulsive overeater uh, by God's grace and mercy. And uh, I'd really like to point out one word in this paragraph, if. And that if is followed by if I cared to have it. Now, for me... I had been searching far and wide for a solution to my problem. And this is an outside issue that I will mention just briefly. I was at a Christian monastery, and one of my friends from South Africa um, came with a Voices of Recovery daily reader of Overyears Anonymous. 
and I I cared to have recovery. I didn't know what it was at the time, and I did not know where to find it. But this little book crossed two hemispheres, from east to west, north, or south to north, to come into my hands. And I firmly believe God was showing me the way. Now, whether my friend was Evie or God was my Evie, you know, flip a coin. But this book coming into my possession just proved to me all the more that God is the all-powerful, all-knowing being in my life that saves me from myself. Took me a few years to realize it, uh, that this book was the solution, or that Overeaters Anonymous was the solution. But it happened. And I'm so grateful, so thankful that I'm here with you all. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Paul T. from Texas. Um, I may have misheard. Is Joe, Joe on from Sweden waiting to speak? If not, it's Russ M. Good morning. We're back. That's Russ M. Do you want me to share? <laughs> I do. Thank Did you. Did I Russ share? M. Okay. All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's Russ M. Recover compulsive So I, I just think about, um, you know, that that time in this book, you know, where you know the instance where they're looking at each other, you know, and Abby saying, "Yo, dude, you don't have to figure it out." You know, your conception of God. You know, you could have this. Just stop figuring it out and just do it, you know. Just listen to what I'm saying, you know. I, I imagine that hope, you know. I mean, like a lot of us, you know, my life was just ravaged by this disease. And I was hopeless. I had nothing. You know, I thought I was going to die this way. And, uh, you know, uh, I think of my Abbeys, these people that put a little bit of time into me to be able to uh, just just share this message. And say, look, you can have it. You don't have to be a brainiac about this. You don't have to complicate it so much. Just do what we tell you and you'll get free. Because like everybody else, I did everything and it failed me. And I failed myself. I get get a little machat thinking of this because my life, I was dead. I was dead. And you know, the people that approached me and then getting on this line, honest to goodness, February of... um, I'm sorry, Jan- the end of January of 2017, listening to you guys, listening to now people that are like my family, that show me, look, shut up, put one foot in front of the other, and just do the damn work. You know, it saved my life. It just saved me. And like I, I always say, it compels me to do it for someone else. The inconvenience, the-, the pain in the ass that it is sometimes, because, you know, it is sometimes. It gets in the middle of my family. But I know if I don't do this, I don't give it away like someone did for me. I'm going to die. It's not a matter of eating. 
It's a matter of living. And I owe this to God, to my to my family, and to you guys to do for this, you know. And I just appreciate it. So sorry to be. But thank you. Love you guys. You have a beautiful day. Thank you, Russ. Um, are you from Pennsylvania? I'm not sure. Maybe yep. Jersey. Uh, outside of Philly. Yep. yep. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Russ. And I believe Melissa P., rather than Melissa C., is waiting to speak next. Is that correct? Yes, that's me, Melissa P. Great. Go for it, Melissa P. Okay, thank you. This is Melissa P., recovered compulsive overeater in Buffalo. Um, You know, I read this today, and it it brought me back to a... uh, a doctor's office where I was making my appointment to have gastric bypass for a second time. And I was sitting across from a nutritionist who had, you know, the best laid plans for weight loss outside of surgery. And the next thing she handed me was a pamphlet about, you know, adult diapers and all of the side effects from having a second gastric bypass. And I just looked down at my stomach at 330 pounds and my eyes went next to my little baby in his little car seat. And I thought to myself, my God, there's going to be two of us in diapers in this house. You know, I, I didn't have any more idea. I was out, you know, I, I tried everything I thought. And, um, you know, thanks to, thanks to a health scare a few months later, um, when my disease had me in a chokehold in a cave, I found myself crying on some random OA line on the phone. And I uh, I heard this woman say that she was going to kill herself with a knife and fork before she recovered. And I didn't catch her phone number that meeting, and I had hung up, and I thought, God, you know, I, I want to talk to her. Like that lit something up inside of me. Ten seconds later, my phone rang, and it was her. That That was the first time that I woke up to the fact that God was going to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. Um, And I've been picking up the phone ever since, picking up the phone ever since, you know, putting down the food ever since. And, uh, you know, that hopelessness, that dark room that I was in, surrounded by food and all my crazy thoughts, you know, piece by piece, the light comes in when I put things down that don't serve me anymore. And I, I help others, you know, and I I got smaller, both physically and emotionally. I, I got smaller. My ego got smaller, and I show up bigger in the world, you know, because some days my ego still weighs 330 pounds, and I think even now I have all the answers on this recovery thing, and I don't. I'm teachable every day, and I make mistakes, and I'm human, but that, that hopelessness, that chokehold, it saved my life, and I am just, I'm grateful for the Ebbies, a million of them in this room, um, that every day there's a piece of me that still dies a little bit just to kind of be reborn in this beautiful light. So I am just so grateful, and thank you for you, for hearing me, and thank you for all of you that have been on this line ever since. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa P. from Buffalo, New York. Ginger C., we got plenty of time. Ah, sweet. Thanks so much, Rebecca for your service in this 
powerful meeting today. Thanks for everyone's shares. I am Ginger C, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And this hopeless, that one word brings up so much, this feeling or causing despair about something. You know, and I hear this often with working with others, you know, this pain, and I think that was my experience as well in OA. I had a lot of pain, of course, because you get fat, you get depressed, we don't feel good. Um, But there's a real difference between this pain place and this hopeless state. And thank God we get hopeless because finally I'm beaten into a state of reasonableness. I'm able to do something and go forward because like someone said earlier, it's a surrender. And I don't surrender. The food, the eating surrendered me and got me to the state where I finally became willing to go to any lengths for victory. So the most important, like, are you done and out of ideas? Because this is where it begins. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? And working in hospice, life is so precious each and every day. We want to be 100 and live a good long life, but we have no idea what's coming. And I just know now that my son is sober and clean, he came up to me yesterday and he said, Mom, you were really eating a lot when I was a little boy. You know, he's waking up in his own way. And I don't want my reality these last days, who knows how many I have left, to be stuck in a bag or a box, to be in a bed, and that's all I know because I can't get out of the damn bed. Or the greatest thought where my food brought me was to go to a car that would never leave the garage because I didn't know how to live anymore. So again, thank God for every beautiful bite because one less bite, I may not share a recovered state of mind and body today. The food did what it needed to do. And if you're not done, you may need to eat some more because it's a lot of work and this willingness to continue no matter what. To fight harder today than I did yesterday comes from the bottom, comes from the pain. And I just pray I never forget with God's grace the end of October will be five years. And I've been in the same clothes for five years. That blows my mind. I had a closet that had rotated. It was like at a dry cleaner. Okay, which size are you now? And to be in the same clothes? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Does anybody want one minute to share? And close us out. All right. Well, Vinny, I'm Rebecca. Vinny, oh, who do I hear? Vinny T. Vinny T. Go right ahead, Vinny. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. This is really quick. Um, during the discussion today, I, I was thinking. You know, I remember. I remember my Ebby. Um, you know, the discussion that we had. Um, totally, he was not uh, in in OA. Um, and and I remember, you know, looking up the OA number in 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 the um, online, and I remember calling uh, that number, and I remember what it was like, you know, getting to the first meeting, you know, being at my first meeting. But what I don't remember is the moment that I thought to call that, you know, to to look up that OA number. And I think it's kind of important. I'm going to give some real meditative time to that. You know, what what was in my mind right then? What what was what got me to do that? 
I'd like to know. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you all so much. I'm so grateful for this program. Oh, thanks, Vinny T. Where are you from, Vinny T? Are you still on? No. I'm from North Uh, Carolina. Oh, thank you so much, North Carolina. And now I'm remembering Ginger C's from Colorado, and I didn't say that. Okay. um, That is the end of our sharing time for this first hour of a vision for you today. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, October 6, 2020, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 15,488. That's 15488. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Ginger C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless and keep you until then.